Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. You're listening to the Let Him Cook podcast, fueled by Cody Road and the Wild Rose Casino Suites and Studios. Nigel, my man, I'm sure along with a lot of Cyclone Nation, a bit of a a sobering Sunday after that game on Saturday. Iowa State, of course, just had the one game this week, a close, heartbreaking loss to Baylor. Nonetheless, we push on. How was your week with only one Cyclone basketball game? It was... I put a lot of anticipation on Saturday, given just the overall slate. Like I was like, "This is a great day yeah. in college basketball," and then it's it's I can't I can't watch Iowa State first without watching one of the greatest rivalries in college basketball in Duke Carolina, and Dukies can't handle the 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 thirty two year olds that are the Tar Heels right yeah. now. And That's an old team over there, man. Do you want to, dude, Cormac Ryan is the same age as Jason Tatum. Please let that sink in. That's not. He graduated with you, my guy. He graduated with you. Still, still in a Tar Heel uniform. I, I'm sick. Anywho, that happens, and then I'm like, all right, Iowa State. Let's see if you guys can improve my mood. At from the jump, no. Halftime, you know, the first half, the only highlight I liked was the Keyshawn buzzer beater. That was cool. Right. But you know. Then we hit this 20 to zero run and I'm like, let's go. Like, what's this? And then we all know how it ended. In the great words of Chris Paul, shit got bad real quick. Shit got bad. And it, I, it was a bad weekend. I, to, to go 0-2 on a weekend with a slate like that, boy, it's like a kick in the nads. I, I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah, that's tough. My dad was saying, like, after that first half, he thought, you know, we're probably going to lose, but at least it's like a stress-free loss. Like, you know, you're not – Baylor's a ranked team. That's going to be a tough win on the road. Just not our night. We were down 10 most of the game, and you just kind of move on with your day. There's something about how we got that close that makes it hurt a little more. But let's start with the first half at least. And I want to shout out Keyshawn Gilbert. Started at 6 for 6, didn't miss from the floor, 19 points, and that extended into the second half a little bit. I think he was still perfect with about 15 minutes left in the second half. And really kept Iowa State in it. And like you said, that buzzer beater going into halftime, I think that gives you something to work on at halftime. I think it's a little different than if he misses that and there's no positive momentum going into half. Um, right. I, I think there's something to that. 
but Baylor shooting better than 50% from three in the first half. I think they were six for eight um, at halftime. Going to be tough to beat anyone uh, when they're shooting. What is that? Wasn't a math major. I don't know what six divided by eight. 75%? Yeah, that was tough. It's around that was there. Three quarters. Um, my, my math teacher isn't listening. Uh, but it's going to be tough when you, uh, I mean, and they were open too. It's not like Baylor was making tough shots in that first half. It was just good right. ball movement, good rotation on, on offense. And I want to talk about this a little bit, and I'll, I'll toss it over to you, Nigel. I think people, Iowa State has this identity of being a great defensive team. And what I really want fans to look at, as soon as that team brings ball over half court, there's about three passes where Iowa State's going to try to trap really hard and force turnovers on like dribble handoffs or ball screens. And after that, if you really swing that ball around, Iowa State's defense starts to kind of chip away. It starts to deteriorate. You'll see guys having to rotate two to three guys on the opposite end of the ball. And that that creates open looks. So if, if a team is able to handle the ball and not turn it over and they're a good three-point shooting team, that is Iowa State's Achilles heel. And we're still a great defensive team, but if we're not forcing turnovers, those three-point shots are going to get open looks. Yeah, and like we said before, I mean, you talk about Achilles' heels for us. I think it goes back to three-point shooting. Like, yeah. even Baylor, who's not – you don't look at them and like, that's a good three-point shooting team. Like, that's BYU. No, that's not your initial thought when you look at Baylor. But when they have a BYU-type night like right. they did Saturday – it's kind of just the nature of the beast. And I feel like that is the Achilles heel at the end of the day of look, blowing up, like you said, those first, second, third initial looks, especially on like DHOs and whatnot, like that takes a lot of effort. And right. you try to do, you try to like go about that in a way of like, we're going to blow it up. We're also not trying to foul. So it also takes just a lot of mental fatigue, like right off the, the rip of the like possession, basically on defense. So, you're already you're already wasting a lot of fuel per se, and you know if like you said if if, if the other team is poised enough to handle that pressure and be able to knock down shots, Iowa State, I feel like maybe not so the coaching staff, but the the players at times are kind of like well, well now what like we yeah. we were aggressive and it's still not working. Do we do we pull off? Do we keep going or do we go harder? Like you know, I I think just when a team gets hot. That is our Achilles heel, which is so nerve-wracking for the tournament because right. that's usually the difference maker, and that's all that it takes for your team to go home early or go home at all in, in a six-game tournament that is the NCAA tournament. So, And there was a couple other things about the first half that just they're fixable, unforced turnovers. I mean, like Rob Jones had, like I think he got a steal and then just passed it almost directly out of bounds and Baylor was able to like corral it. So – just like silly mistakes, really. And, and that will put you down in this league 10 points really quick. And then the other thing I want to talk about, free throw shooting. And I get that your bigs on almost any team aren't going to be 80 or even 70% free throw shooters. But Tame and Lipsy has to be better from the charity stripe. He's 67% on the year and went two for four in the final two minutes at a time where points are at a premium. And if you're getting free throws, you got to make them, especially that late in the game. And let me look. I I think we finished like 60% as a team from the free throw line. And in a game that's decided by two points, if you get 
if you shoot 65% from the free throw line, it's a different final two minutes. It's a different game entirely. So it's just, it's little things, man. It's little things that add up to just kind of be too much at, at the end of yeah. the game. And it's little things that Iowa State really has to kind of focus on and practices and tighten up as we get through the rest of this Big 12 schedule. Yeah, and like you said, like it's little things, and I think you're in a situation where your point guard isn't shooting well from the free throw line. I don't, I don't think that's acceptable any for any team, right? But especially for a team like us, where certain things, and they're sometimes different every game, but certain things seem to kind of hold us back from reaching our full potential, or just getting over the hump and winning a game. But I, yeah, I think going forward, I mean, we our schedule is not slowing down. Um, yeah. Even the unranked teams in our conference are proving to be a lot for oh. our ranked opponents. So it's it just like you said, we're gonna have to you know fine tune some things. But I think we will, given the the fact that you know we it's a quick turnaround. You know, going to Austin, but I mean you're staying in Texas during this uh, during this weekend, so the travel isn't a lot. I think. A huge portion into what played into Saturday was we played on Saturday, but we played late as hell. Yeah. Like to I know Texas, I don't I think Waco is central time. So the, yeah, the you're not having any jet lag or whatnot. But I don't know if a team that just is really fueling off just natural energy, I don't know if playing that late is gonna help them off their feet that long. Is gonna be beneficial for them. I feel like on a Saturday, TJ's teams. I know TJ's an early riser. He gets up at five a.m., starts doing chest workouts and whatnot. But <laughs> I feel like that kind of same energy is with the team, and you're gonna perform more better, I guess, in an early, an early game like like Kansas or like a, even even I would say a five five o'clock game isn't crazy on a Saturday, but it's definitely not seven o'clock. So I. Yeah. I feel like that definitely played into the slow start because it's just you're getting taken out of your routine and then someone's in their home floor and, you know, they want to beat you because they're on paper. We're better than them right now. So, I mean, a lot of things went in our favor, but I mean, it's a great learning experience and I think they can take a lot from a game like this. I think another thing I want to shout out, I was talking about Taman Lipsy a little bit earlier, and this is a mix of coaching and just Taman Lipsy's ability as a basketball player. But Baylor really tried to get us with a zone, kind of a – it was hard to kind of tra- – it looked kind of in between a 2-3, a 1-3-1, one, one, a matchup zone. They were trying to just kind of throw the kitchen sink at Iowa State um, in terms of defense. And I think that probably would have worked better in the past two seasons just because Iowa State didn't have that perimeter shooting that we do this year. But really what unlocked that zone that was giving Iowa State troubles in the first half, they moved Taman Lipsy to kind of a high post, and they were playing him as like a high-low playmaker, um, somewhere you would normally see a power forward, for example, on the elbow. And that really just opened. I mean, you have one of the best playmakers in the middle of that zone, and Taman Lipsy is able to read cuts and find the open and the weakness in that zone defense. And that was really what forced Baylor to go man-to-man down the stretch and I think that benefited Iowa State. So that's just – I'm guessing that was a halftime adjustment. They saw a weakness there that they thought Lipsy could exploit, and he did. Um, and that's just good coaching. That is, you know, just playing to your players' strengths 
And I think Baylor had to get away from that. And let's talk about, so like you said earlier, a 20-0 run. And I want to call it a quiet 20-0 run. When I was watching this game real time, it didn't feel like, man, Baylor hasn't scored in forever and Iowa State's on fire. It was a That's disjointed. Away. Right. It, it, it felt disjointed. I mean, it was a lot of free throws. And let's talk about the technicals and the officiating. And how I want to start this is, and it's something I picked up since Otz's first year, him and the players almost never, and I'm saying 98% of the time, I don't care how bad that call is, you'll hear Iowa State fans boo. You won't see TJ's reaction. You won't see the players make a reaction. Just stone cold. And this I is think- TJ. This is TJ. He's like, yep. Like, he could be the worst. Someone could right. slap his mother in the face, and he'll be like, "Yep, just on on the sidelines." Just I'm like, bro, show, show some passion. Where's the hot, red hot chili pepper energy? Come on, but I need something. Here's what it is. I think refs, and I think we saw it on full display Saturday. I don't think what Scott Drew did in that moment, and you can go back to like Bill Self or any of the coaches that have gotten technicals at Iowa State. And I'm not an official, but I would have to think it's kind of the additive result of this coach is yelling at me. Four minutes later, he's yelling at me. Four minutes later, he's yelling at me. He's out of the coaching box. He's still yelling at me. At some point, that adds up. And you're like, dude, shut up. Technical foul. And Ots just doesn't do that. He doesn't even give the refs an opportunity to get annoyed or flustered. And refs are human. Let's face it. Like, things weigh on people. And I think Baylor just kind of did a little too much. It was Scott Drew's first ever ejection. And that kind of catapulted Iowa State back into this game. I think we got six free throws off of technical fouls. And six points in a 10-point game goes a long ways. And it was, it was just a weird circumstance. As a Baylor fan, I would have been super pissed off. And credit to the fans in that new arena because it did get loud in there down the stretch. But... It was just a weird game, and I I feel bad that officiating played that big of a part in kind of the second half. What did you take from those, especially those technical fouls called on Drew? I think as much of like, yes, it had a it had to do with excuse me, my allergies are killing me. Uh, yes, it had a lot to do with just like refs being human, but I also think like what played into the twenty point run is like. When a head coach gets kicked out of a game, the entire dynamic of your team shifts because your entire coaching staff from your head assistant to the last grad assistant, everyone takes a shift up in the totem pole, right? So that head assistant becomes head coach. He wasn't ready for that. <laughs> like he he yeah. walked in that he walked into Saturday thinking I'm going to be the best head assistant I can be today. And that is it. And then God has other plans. So, you know, I think just at the end of the day, you know, that takes an adjustment of less of not less of like he doesn't it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing because he does. He he pulled out a win. So I know Scott Drew's probably very proud of him with for that. But the natural like in the in real time. All right. How do we all adjust? They're making their run. They're taking advantage of this. You know, how do we keep our composure and just do play Baylor basketball. And I feel like they did that at a high level. And I think that's how they came out with the win. But at the end of the day, I think that plays more into it than just Scott drew getting the technical fouls. The technical fouls, like they're great for us. It's just free points, but 
to go on a 20 to nothing run, you can tell Baylor was just like everyone was a little like I don't I don't know if the if the players weren't fully bought into everything the coach was saying initially, but again, the coach probably wasn't bought into everything he was saying initially because everything was just so on the spot in the moment. But I think just going into what what I what eclipsed to that, you know, 20 to nothing run, I think it's more so of the coaching uh change and just everyone just having to step up quite literally in in a heat of the moment also two years ago uh i believe jerome tang was the um head assistant at baylor until he got hired by kansas state so what a national championship right and so there is i mean there is a lot of talent in scott drew's coaching tree i wasn't familiar with the guy that took over but i wouldn't be surprised if he's a head coach at you know like a utsa or north yeah access in a couple years because that's just how good those guys are um and i think that coach did a hell of a job down the stretch and um for most iowa state fans listening you're gonna focus on that mom shot but i just i rewatched it the game this morning and really paid attention to those final four minutes so that 20-0 run put iowa state up seven um and the one thing i do want to give credit to this iowa state team you're gonna have to kill us like, if you mess around and and don't, you know, put a wooden stake in our hearts, this team's going to be in it in the final four minutes, do or die. And there's no quit in this team. And the way we play defense and the way we play forgiving basketball, and what I want to say about that, when I say forgiving basketball, I think Iowa State had 15 more shot attempts than Baylor did. And the way we turn other teams over and limit the other team shooting because they turned over before they can shoot it, just like from a statistical standpoint, it gives Iowa State an advantage to win games. So the longer that game goes and the more we play that basketball, Houston is a great team that does that same thing. You're going to have to kill this Iowa State team or they're going to be in this game. Yeah. But the final four minutes, I think, especially on the road and where we are in the season – I was just a little disappointed with how we came back into that game and just the execution in the final four minutes. You saw us turn it over, I think, three times in the final four minutes. You have Trey King fouling a three-point shooter. Um, I I was a little disappointed in the – I don't know if this is scheme and I don't know if this is Gilbert and Lipsy, who are, you know, two of our best offensive players. But a lot of the offense down the stretch is just – get Lipsy or Gilbert going to the rim with their head down, not looking to pass, just like take it to the rim and either finish or get fouled. And I will say that was fairly productive. I mean, that is what happened most times. I think Gilbert had a missed layup, but other than that, Lipsy got fouled twice. Um, But there was just, it was kind of constant. Another thing, uh, Robert Jones got blocked and Keyshawn Gilbert got the offensive rebound, wasn't aware of the shot clock situation and just dribbled it basically until there was a violation. That was bad. (laughs) So just like a couple like awareness things and execution things down the stretch. And I know it's easy to just go to the last second shot and be like, oh man, like the rest should have given us a full two seconds. If they give us one tenth more of a second, you know, Momchilovich probably gets that shot off. But in any sporting event, it's a lot more than just the last shot. Like there is a, a series of unfortunate events that put Iowa State in that situation. And I want fans to kind of look at the bigger picture here of Iowa State just didn't play their best basketball in the final four minutes. And I think that's really what lost us the game. 
Yeah, no, it, the I think that one of the biggest, like like you said, the series of for, of a, of unfortunate events is what leads up to the loss at the end. But one of the biggest possessions that I was just like, bro, what are we doing? Like, is when Keyshawn just dribbled the ball out, yeah. and I was like, I would rather just you take a heave, like a right. from the waist quick release heave, like it, it just anything, man, because like. To be aware in this league, to be aware is to be alive. Because, like, that's yeah. just a game-changing possession. If you do at least get a shot off, because who knows? As as good of rebounders as we have on the team, even at the guard position, right. we can get a rebound and a whole new, you know, whole new shot clock. If you hit the rim. Really to. Yeah, if you hit right. the rim, you have 20 more seconds to draw something up or to get something going. Or just call a quick shot. Because, like, right. look, I, I know, like – Milan probably didn't have his his most ideal game, but you know, you set him up for another shot in a, a situation like that. It could it could make or break, you know, his vision on that game as opposed to oh, this is just a game where I didn't get the game winning shot off. It's no, we like we played smart basketball. We got the best out of our possessions, and you know, we had to live with the result. But I feel like it's hard to live with this result when we know that. Yes, Baylor shot themselves in the foot, but then it's like we took the gun from them and shot ourselves in the foot, and now we're just bleeding out together, and it's awkward. So, I think another key play down the stretch there, and I'm this seems like a play that would just bite Iowa State in the ass, and in this time it, it went in our favor, and they went to review it at the monitor. So, Tame and Lipsy, and what this reminds me of is that Texas Tech uh, Virginia National Championship game with Jarrett Culver, but. Uh, the ball goes out of bounds, and it was Taman Lipsy fouled Ray J. Dennis, got him on the arm, and that kind of unexpected contact forces the ball to go out of bounds off of Ray J. Dennis's hand. But you can only look at who did the ball go out of bounds on. You can't call like a retroactive foul on Taman Lipsy. And that basically gave Iowa State the ball back after a three second possession by Baylor, which is. I mean, basically the dream scenario for an offense in that, you know, you have two minutes left, time is of the essence, and we basically got gifted a three-second possession or five-second possession by Baylor there. And then kind of the let's, – let's talk about this Momchilovic shot. And we talked during the Houston game, and I think that's when it was clear that if there was a last-second shot opportunity, Momchilovic is the guy, and, and that's who you're going to draw it up for. And I watched this game with my friend Danny. And basically from the jump, before he even knew how much time was left, he said, hook and ladder. Like, that's what we got to do. Didn't even know where the ball was being inbounded from. But he's like, this is the ultimate hook and ladder. And the explanation of why there was 1.2 seconds left. So uh, Baylor is shooting an and one free throw with two seconds left. He misses it. And Trey King smartly lets that ball bounce once before grabbing it because the time won't start until that ball is touched. It's not a live ball until someone touches it. So he's waiting for guards to kind of get a a step to get downhill before he grabs it. And the shot clock operator starts the clock anticipating that Trey King's going to touch that ball. They look at the monitor. They said, so they blew the call dead at 0.5 seconds left in the game, I want to say. And 0.7 seconds ran off between the shot clock starting and Trey King touching it. 
So that's why they put it back to 1.2. Now, what makes sense to me is that shot clock, that should have been blown dead as soon as that clock was started without Trey King stopping it. To me, it makes sense that we get two full seconds, whatever. The, the benefit was that we inbounded on the sidelines because I think people underestimate how hard it is to get a ball from under your basket to the other side of the court in two seconds. I mean, there is... You would need Grant Hill and Christian Lader. Right. Just, you need like an all-time game-ending play. <laughs> yeah. And so, and Mamchilovic after the game, and I bookmarked this tweet, said something to the extent of, you know, I, I wasn't aware that there was 1.2 seconds left. And to me, that sounds crazy. I Like, if I'm a coach, if I'm a player, I'm yelling, we have 1.2 seconds, we have 1.2 seconds, like the whole time I'm on court like everybody has to know that but i really don't know if it affects the outcome differently like i don't know if you can really change your jump shot to make it 0.2 seconds faster but what a disappointing end because Momchilovic hits the crazy shot it goes in i'm usually pretty good at telling in real time did he get it off in time for whatever reason i just blacked out i just like saw him get that shot up and i was like we just won baby i'm running around like, I, I thought we were home free, and it was the Baylor, and I hate when this happens. You can hear, like, the crowd react before you see the instant replay. And I heard the Baylor fans start cheering, and I was like, oh, he didn't get it off. He didn't get it off. Man, just like a tough finish to that game. But if, if would you want anything differently? Is there anything you're drawing up differently in that last situation? Uh, No. I mean, aside from that play. That's I think because of the way uh, Milan shoots, like I know how fast he can get it off, even though it looks awkward sometimes. Right. But you remember the the 2014 uh, Blazers and Rockets series that came down to Dame's first yeah. game winner in the playoffs? I feel like you just set like a triple or double like sideways stagger screen for him. And he just hits a open. fader leading into his own bench. It's probably the only thing else I would draw up. But I think that's probably the best, like, quick option, especially because where they were inbounding, they were inbounding it literally at midcourt. Yeah. So that's probably a, a safer option because then it's like you're, 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 if you want him to shoot the damn shot, you're basically essentially asking him to catch it on the run next to the sideline. All it's going to take is a Baylor double team to right. keep you there and just turning around and hitting that shot is probably not ideal. But that's the only thing else I would probably draw up. And that's only if you were maybe a little closer to the basket. But um, given where they were on the court, I think it was, it was the best possible thing to, to draw up. I think just like you said, the ball bouncing, I think 1.5 might save you. I know. 1.5 might save you. Like, bro. And, and that's and that's the problem like with the officials. I, I, like TJ can be as quiet as he wants with officials, man. But like, I just don't like big 12 officials. I don't know. I don't like that. We're honoring them before games. It's, it's corny. It's like giving a teacher, like, you know how we give gifts to teachers on teacher appreciation week. It's like a really crappy teacher. And we're giving them like gift cards to Applebee's like, nah, bro, this, this guy deserves, you know, a finger, where the sun don't shine, and, and, and one of these, <laughs> he doesn't deserve a, a gift card to Applebee's. I, I'm just the, the Big Twelve reps for years now have been very just like 
terrible to watch and they taught like they determine so many games especially when we get to league play and man enough is enough dude like it, it's I, i'm sick of it and i think like what is what is 0.3 seconds gonna gonna hurt the ref to give us you know if we make it like then we deserved it like fate was on our side and i feel like fate was on our side but you know the refs weren't and in this league you're in this league long enough you you it doesn't even shock you at some points. You're kind of desensitized to the, the bad officiating. I have a long-standing rule, and I might as well call it the Buddy Healed rule because that's kind of where it started, of if something happens and it's just cool enough, just let it happen. And what it like, why I call it the Buddy Healed Counts, rule. Counts, that was sick. <laughs> right. Like, just like, say it's over, that was awesome. We're going to go home. We're going to pack it up. Uh, Buddy Heald hit, I think it was the semifinals in the Big 12 tournament, hit like a half quarter against Kansas. Yeah. Um, and Buddy Heald like jumped up on the scores table. They review it and he didn't get it off in time. If there's something cool enough, just let it happen, man. Like that's, that is how, that was such an ugly, disjointed game. And for it to end on such a beautiful, drawn up, perfectly executed play just like one tenth of a second too late just let it happen that's i like i just i don't even know how you instigate that rule because it's like so subjective on what's cool enough but there's just so many finishes in college basketball nba like anywhere you look that like some all-time moments you think gordon hayward in in the championship he misses that shot just say it went in. Like there's just certain let's things not, where like I wish we could just like that. sorry, Duke. Uh retroactively, <laughs> like just I wish things could work out the way that they almost did. Yeah. Like yeah, I no, like I, that's just what I wanted as a basketball fan. Yeah, no, and I, I get that because it's like you you people I feel like in sports love to entertain the what ifs because the what ifs are a lot more fun than the actual results yeah. sometimes. And I think in recent memory, the two like what if moments that actually happened that you're just like, yo, what the hell just happened was Villanova's game winner against Carolina. First of all, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. With Michael Jordan in the building. Game. Game, Chris Jenkins. Anywho, the second one, three years later, Toronto versus Philadelphia. Kawhi Leonard yeah, hits bro. <laughs> When I tell, first of all, I it's so funny because I I remember I spent like the whole first half of that game illegally like trying to stream it because I didn't have cable at the time, um, so I'm trying to illegally stream it. I finally get it. I get to watch the entire second half. I'm like, this is a great game. Blah blah blah. Jimmy Butler's playing out of his mind, and dude just hits a fadeaway into his own bench, kind of like how I was thinking Milan. If you're gonna draw it up, like that's what makes the shot that much cooler. Is if the if a man is just like posted by his bench already. Yeah. Just waiting for a game winner to go in, and like w- with Kawhi, like he was on his knees, like just hoping, it w- and then it right. just dropped in. I was like, "What just happened?" Yeah. And then you see him just like get kind of like pushed away by a bunch of Raptor fans and in the team. It's like those are a few moments where like the what ifs come to fruition, and like like you said, like it just it comes to like yeah, those are always going to be more fun. Those are already always going to be more memorable, and I completely agree. Like. If I, if you here's the thing, the Big Twelve refs are already bad. Like you said, if something cool happens, like what are you? Oh, 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 now you're worried about your reputation? Come on, bro. We're, we're past that. C- call the game. Let the cool shit happen, please. Yeah, 
there's like a certain rule I want. Like in the 1980s, that's how the game ends. Like they don't yeah. have instant replay. Like, yeah. And there's no way a ref saw that in real time. They're just like, they're saying that goes in and we're getting out of here. And that's awesome, man. Yeah. And no, I'm, of course I want, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I had Iowa State pulled that win out. I had the most funny, I had the funniest meme ready, just in, just in the drafts, ready to hit send. But have you seen, you remember, you've seen Spider-Man 3, right? Like which, who was playing Spider-Man? Toby, Toby, Spider-Man 3. 07, yeah, like yeah. the OG. Yeah. Okay. Do you like remember original. you remember Eddie Brock? The Black Venom? Is that Green Goblin? No, you're thinking about Harry and Norman Osborne. I'm talking about oh, Eddie. Yeah. He Peter okay, Peter Parker took his job at the Daily Bugle. Like because Peter got fired. Then Eddie Brock took his job. Then Peter got it back and then like tried to fight him and all that stuff. And then Brock got fired essentially. Peter's back to thriving. He's living his own life. Brock is Catholic and he goes into the church. <laughs> it's like midnight and he's like crying and he's like looking at the, he's looking at, uh, he's looking at Jesus on the cross and he's like, uh, I come to you humiliated, father, humbled, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I ask you to do one thing. And he looks up and it's like just dramatic, it's beautiful cinema. Just looks up. He's like, I want you to kill Peter Parker. <laughs> and I, I swear to God, that was going to be every Baylor fan talking yeah. about us going to chapel tomorrow. I mean, excuse yeah. me, yesterday. But oh man, it was, it was, had you seen Spider Man 3, you'd be like, that's good. That's great. Uh, yeah, Milan Mamchilovic would have been in a lot of prayers. Uh, yeah, Sunday like, I want you to kill Milan Mamchilovic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Going back to this game, Iowa State went up in Ken Palm after this loss. And like in the grand scheme of things, I don't think this kicks Iowa State out of contention. We're a half game back of, of first place in the Big 12 right now. Kind of in a weird spot because I think we've played eight Big 12 games and most teams have played nine games because of our last week where we only played one game. So We'll be like a game and a half or a half game behind or ahead most teams for a little bit now until that catches up. But, um, like, I, I really think you got to win at home. You got to beat – you don't have to, but I would really like to be unranked teams on the road, your UCFs, your West Virginias, your yeah. Oklahoma States. Um, but like you said, we've seen UCF. Like, that's not a fun place to play. and I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Going into this year, I thought, you know, what kind of venue does 
UCF have in Orlando, but they've been a tough road game for a lot of these ranked teams. Um, you saw hey, Oklahoma Orlando, State beat Kansas State. Orlando so, as a city is coming back. Because the Magic, yeah, they're back. They're doing it. They're, they're back. They're they're back. So I think just the, the vibes are getting back to Dwight Howard level down there. Yeah. And I think we're out of the poverty stage of for both UCF and uh and the Orlando Magic. But I think the basketball was always intended to be good in Orlando. And for whatever reason, it just wasn't because of the whole Dwight Howard setback. You're dealt with Alfred Payton for a lot of years. I mean, you're just not gonna play good basketball, you know? Right. So I, I and then UCF, I mean, since 2019, they've been decent. Like since yep. that run they had in the tournament, like I think Johnny Dawkins is doing a great job recruiting. And now you got Mikey Williams coming to campus, which that'll be yeah, interesting. So um, I think you just don't get a break in this league, dude. It's it's insane. Right. And now, like if you're a if you're a basketball player in Florida, which there are four stars Tons. and five stars just all over that state. And, you know, now there's, there's what, four power six schools in Florida. You got Florida State, Florida, Miami, and UCF now. So, I mean, not, I'm not saying UCF is on the level of Florida. That's been a great basketball program. Miami's been great recently. But now you're, I mean, if you want to play in the best conference in basketball and you want to stay in Florida, you'd go to UCF. So, like I said, there's just really nowhere to hide. But, you know, Iowa State – I, I always think it's tough coming off of an emotional loss or an emotional win. And I think it doubles that now we have to play at Texas. You got to play Tyrese Hunter. But I was thinking about this roster, Nigel. I think only two guys would have well, – well, only one guy played with him, and it's Rob Jones. And I think Trey King would have been there on the year he sat out. Um, so, so he, he practiced, practiced Tyrese early. Hunter. Right. So I, I don't I don't know if it'll be the same amount of intensity because I know like Gabe Kalsher wanted to play Texas more than any other team on that yeah, schedule. Like I out. know he had that circled. Yeah, and so I don't know if we'll see. I mean, you had multiple time. guys on that roster. You had Grill, Kalsher, right? Rob, who else? Trey King. I mean, yeah, Trey King, them, and then now so. Low key, but I, I think it also. Yeah, I feel like there was some animosity that isn't talked about, but I think I think Tyrese felt a little a little. I I I think Tyrese maybe felt a little shaken. Like, why are you bringing someone in that is at my position? And then Tame is also like, well, I'm not just gonna back down. Like, if he's right. here, I'm coming at him. Pause. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think yeah, you just had a lot of dudes just like trying to trying to start start crap with Texas and I, I stand by this Caleb Grill telling Rodney Terry to call a timeout nasty top five moment as a, yeah. as a cyclone top That's five one of, the, one of the best guys like, I need that on a t-shirt ASAP yeah. can someone make me one of those t-shirts please please any listeners please That's I need a t-shirt looking, looking back to the coach and be like you're gonna need timeout like this place is losing its state like a suggestion might need one like hey buddy yeah. I I don't mean to be that guy, but you might want to use one of these. Yeah. No, that game at Ames last year, still to me, 
is just one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in in the college basketball yeah. game. I said it last week, angry Hilton is the best Hilton. I'm not sure if I've ever seen it angrier than it was against Texas last year. I think that I think was the know. birth of angry Hilton. Uh, I had never seen Hilton that mad in my time there yeah. as a student. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely the maddest I've ever seen it. I know going back and just speaking of officials, it's usually spurred by officiating. There's yeah. usually no bad blood going into a game. There was against Texas. There was a vendetta. There was a guy on the dartboard that we're throwing darts at pregame. Yeah. And I like the whole arena was ready for it. And that was it was, it was just one of the most electric plate. Like it was just awesome to watch. It was like going game. to church. Yeah. And everyone just caught the Holy Ghost. And yeah. the Holy Ghost was Tyrese Hunter. It was intense. <laughs> it, it was spiritual. I loved it. And here's yeah. the thing. Rodney Terry, man, I will just never get over. I, I don't think a player has ever been targeted by the student section the way Tyrese Hunter was that night. I heard, I mean, the whole chance yelling, the whole student section's chanting F Tyrese Hunter. And students are going to be students. I'm not mad at them for doing it. What I What blows my mind is I think it might have been Rob Jones who flashed a horn. No, it was Oshuni flashed the horns down. And Rodney Terry, and we've seen him do it again already this year against UCF, went berserk. And it is so stupid to me. Yeah, it's a trigger word. That's where you draw the line. Like, you had your star point guard just, like, getting heat, catching more heat than any player ever has for 40 minutes, and you're drawing the line at a hand signal? Yeah. Dude, it's just the corniest thing. It's so lame. Like that, what's the name of their like actual like longhorn bull at Texas? That Bevo? I don't I think know. it's Bevo. Like okay. he's not offended. He he what the hell is he like? You know what I mean? It's not like it's a hate. Like, right. What are we doing here? It's so no, lame. It's so corny to me. I just had to tee off on that because nothing gets under my skin like him acting like that's some unreasonable crime against humanity. Yeah. Well, and and again, I as much as I love to crap on Texas, there is one Texas Longhorn that is near and dear to my heart, and that's Scott Reister. So shout out to Scott Reister. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah, yep. He's almost so cool that you don't even assume he goes to Texas. He's just right. like, oh, you, I didn't I didn't know we had to have beef today, but I guess we do. Um, one of nonetheless. The one of the good ones. Yeah, he's one of the good Longhorns. But <laughs> like you said, you know, a lot of things are being said to Tyrese in that game, especially at the free throw line when Hilton is quiet or, yeah. you know, like, He's in the middle of getting a shot off, and they quiet down. Someone, bro, someone, people would just be saying foul stuff, like yeah. things, like personal things to Tyrese Hunter. And Rodney Terry's like, all right, this? No, no. That's, <laughs> like, where, draw the that's, line. that's where I have a problem with all of you. So and dumb. I'm like, Rodney, grow a pair. Come on, man. Yeah. And, I don't and want to okay, okay. I don't want to crap. We've, we've done a lot of crapping on the brothers – uh, for the coaches in the Big 12 <laughs> during Black History Month, which is crazy. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, I, I did have the, the opportunity to talk to Rodney Terry when they were in Des Moines for the first round of the NCAA yeah. tournament. Really cool guy. I was like the last guy to talk to him. He still waited to talk to me. And he just really, like, when everyone is away in the out of the heat of the moment, I feel like these people are great people. So we're not trying to attack these people personally because the interactions that I've had with people that I thought I would hate have been very positive. Dylan DeSue, Tyrese Hunter, you know, 
uh, what's his name? Kevin Allen. I mean, all those guys are are great guys. Like when it's just mano y mano, but you, right. you know, you have that cardinal and gold on. It's like giving you a cape. You feel like a superhero. You feel like yeah. you just something needs to be done. You know, and but I again to get back to my original point, I just feel like there's so many other things to be mad about. Uh, why horns down is their little trigger word. Grow up, makes dude. Makes no sense. Because guess what? The more you make it obvious, we're just going to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. A great way to make college students do something is tell them not to do it. Yeah. It's like the ultimate motivation. Um, the other thing, if he would have if he would have gone up in the post-game press conference and just stuck up for Tyrese Hunter and been like, that was unacceptable, that's my point guard, you know, I respect that at least. Like just yeah. standing up for your guys. I don't think that's ever been a bad move by any coach ever. But again, it was a horns down thing that he just hammered down. I was like, dude, shut up, man. It was just whatever. So uh, like you said, I want to talk about this past weekend in college sports because it kind of under delivered. Like we were, I, I was like this late well, I, going into it. I, I really liked where it was. Yeah, Duke, North Carolina, which... Well, before you, before you get into that game, you know what this was? This was a great... This would have been a fantastic week to win this game, yeah. but it was a great week to drop an egg. Why? No, I said it was a great week to drop an egg. Oh, like, I got you. Because so many other teams lost. Right. No, you're right. So. Wisconsin lost to Purdue. Houston got blown up by Kansas. Man, it looks like anytime Houston goes to a real gym, they just forget how to play basketball. Like they showed well, up at Hilton, got bounced. Showed up at Allen Fieldhouse, got bounced. Kansas like, be cheating. So at <laughs> Allen Fieldhouse, but that's another conversation for another day. But there we go. On. And then go Tennessee on. beats Kentucky. I don't really know if to take Kentucky serious or not. Tennessee always chokes in March. The SEC's weird. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I, Tennessee's a team that I can't get behind because every one of the team is thirty. Everyone yeah. is has their weaknesses, and it's just like they'll play really well against a young Kentucky team every year. And it's like, okay, right. do you want a cookie? You know, yeah. these kids are and nineteen. Get beat in the second round because that's what they always do as a two seed or or whatever. Rick Barnes, man, just not Mister March. Yeah, There's something about that month that he just and he had it at Texas, and now he does it at Tennessee. Um, but I don't know. I was just a little Drake, Indiana State, quietly a really good game that was on right before Iowa State played Baylor um but just didn't really hit like I wanted it to I, and I think so many like on paper great matchups kind of up and down but just not a lot of great games so I was just a little underwhelmed I would say with the uh the outcome of this weekend yeah I think Texas played really well against TCU I saw that game earlier the yeah. day Oklahoma State steals one from Kansas State yeah cheaters probably uh, yeah I mean probably Oklahoma State Man. I mean, I, I just feel like Kansas State, man, they're... <laughs> we broke them. Iowa State I think, broke Kansas State. I think it's time to go to lunch in a Jewish community because <laughs> they, they need some juju. They need some good juju. They need some... They need something, they need man. Something. They're, they're in the back. trenches. They're, they're in the trenches. <laughs> tremendously. Uh, and then, Iowa State has Texas tomorrow and then TCU on Saturday, correct? Yeah. Double check that. And and again, in recent years we have not played well in Austin, so yeah, this is a yeah. 
this game is a lot more about pride than it is about Tyrese Hunter this year, I would say. And I would say going into the stretch, I thought if we went one and one between at Baylor and at Texas, that's a huge win. Just well, I the think, thought of like you could be two and zero. Oh. Yeah. Like that yeah. sucks. Yeah, it does. But that's Big Twelve basketball, man. It sucks. But damn it, I love it. Yeah, it's weird. No it's like an abusive relationship. There is absolutely no breaks. There is one, two, three, four, five. Five ranked teams as of now. There could be another one added in there if if UCF keeps winning or if Cincinnati keeps winning. We got to go to Houston. At Houston. Good night. At We finish at Kansas State, which will be a rowdy oh atmosphere. <laughs> They're going to want our heads. There's no hiding uh, in the Big 12. I think Iowa State currently third in the Big 12. Um, but a lot, a lot of games left to go. I think Houston's still the odds-on favorite to win the conference, but we just saw them lose at Kansas, and I really think that team's going to struggle on the road in good environments. So we'll see, man. Iowa State definitely not out of it. A tough loss against Baylor. Um, a big chance to get a huge win at Texas. I know the guys are going to get up for that one. I really wish Texas had to come to Hilton this year because I think you would see a similar crowd to what you saw last year. So... That's yeah. what sucks about this no more round robin. You play each team twice because I would love to see Texas at Hilton this year. But we move I on. Do like, I do like getting a chance to sweep TCU. Yeah. Because TCU, I know they're probably going to go go unranked after this week, losing to Texas. Right. But I think they're also one of those teams that's always going to be like right there to where, who knows, maybe next week they might be ranked again. Um, But I think – I I like the idea of of sweeping a TCU team because that's not a bad team at all. And yeah. then also, I love the idea of getting both Oklahoma and BYU at home again because like those are just oh yeah. man those those boys are in trouble. <laughs> Unfinished business. And I think Texas Tech at home. Texas Tech's a really good team. I think they've. I think Grant McCaslin is that guy. Like I think he was a really good hire for Tech. Joe Toussaint somehow still playing basketball. I think he's played Iowa State. 17 times in his career between Iowa, West Virginia, and now Texas Tech. So, yeah, uh, yeah. man, uh, a lot of good games left. We're about halfway through the Big 12 season, though, and Iowa State not really slowing down. So nothing to hang your heads on about a loss at Baylor. I think we still – we just have to take care of home. We, we got to win at Hilton, man, because I think that's going to go a long way for this team. Yeah. I just don't want us to turn into Houston too, where it's like our struggle in kryptonite is on the road in three point shooting. Cause I hate to break it to everybody, but that's where the NCAA tournament's going to be. It's going to be yeah. on the road. There's going to be a lot of good three point shooting teams. So, yeah. Yeah. It only takes one. But the other thing is if we play, if our matchups are right and it's teams that want to try to get to the rim, Iowa state can make a deep run. I, I think, and it's always about matchups in March, but this team is just so matchup dependent, and we really won't know this team's ceiling in March until we see that bracket. Because I think it so much depends on whoever we're playing. That yeah. some teams we could, some really good teams we can beat by 15, and we could lose to an Indiana State by 14 if they're shooting from if they're shooting 70 percent from three. So, yeah. Well, and you know, like 
the ranked opponents, dude, I know people are like, oh, like those don't matter. Like the rankings don't matter. They're subjective. But like when it comes to seeding, it does. Yeah. So like I, I just feel like that is going to make or break like our our ceiling, like you said, of what type of run we're going to have because you could just run into an awkward team like Pitt last year. Right. And you and just come out flat and then it's not the same team and then boom, season's over. So yeah. definitely again, like you said, defending court, home court is very important. You have two games in that in this gauntlet, especially Texas Tech. So three, uh, that I would say like are must wins. And I think playing Texas Tech, like you said, like I said earlier at eleven AM, I like that a lot more than playing Baylor at seven PM. Because yeah. TJ does his his arm workouts. And everyone's ready. You know, Conrad is screaming. Gifts to know. the gym. Yeah. Everyone Gifts is just Yeah. Uh, the Motley crew. Before, before we get out of here, going to need a Super Bowl prediction. This is bad radio, but I have a T-shirt on here. Uh, it's got to be that Ames tap water. Bro, can you give me one of those shirts? <laughs> but I, I got a tweet that went kind of semi-viral in a, a T-shirt company out of West Des Moines basically put my tweet on a t-shirt so that's breaking new ground for myself had to go had to go get one but what, what i will you pay you if you get me one of those i'm not kidding <laughs> I, I can probably make that happen uh Thank you. do we have a score prediction for the uh, big game just so I, I don't get sued by the nfl by that trademark yeah uh i would say san francisco 27 kansas city 21 like it love it I just want Purdy to win, man. This is the most tuned in I've probably been to a Super Bowl in I don't maybe my whole life. I've well, never really I, had a rooting interest in a Super Bowl until this year. Here's the thing: I always have an interest in the Super Bowl because of the the pageantry that sure. it brings out. Yeah, uh, the the commercials, you know, right. the the ability the to toss on a jersey, the halftime show, yeah. Rihanna. Sure, obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> but you know, Usher gonna be a great halftime show performance. I need Purdy to win, not only for Iowa State purposes, for a huge reason. And the, the second reason is being Taylor Swift. I'm sick of that woman. I'm sick yeah. of that woman. Never seen the hype. Never will. I understand that. You know, for a lot of Caucasian people, she's the people's champ. That's okay. Everyone needs someone to idolize and to identify with and show that that is the ideal person to be in society. But I'm tired of her. I'm tired of every little curl route that <coughs> Elsie gets. We're panning over to her. And then there's geeks on Twitter being like, um, actually, she was only on screen for 40 seconds. And it's like, I don't care. That's too long. She's not in the game. She's not strapping on a helmet. She's not taking reads. She's not catching slant passes. I'm tired of her. Sure. Okay? And sure. she's taking someone that I love, Travis Kelsey. He, he is invited. You talk about a man who was invited to the cookout. It is Travis Kelsey. He has a, he has a boozy fade. Excuse me, boozy fade. I mean, the, the guy is just he's, – he's, he's, he's about that action, you know? And yeah. he's taking – look, I get it. If I did, if I had the chance to date Taylor Swift, I'd hop on the opportunity too. You know, I get it. But this whole phenomenon and this PR, I just feel like it's one big PR charade. And oh, oh, what's this? The Grammy just happened last night. She's dropping an album. What? That's such a big coincidence. Like, I, do people not see this? I, I and I, I, I know Aiden's gonna edit all this and probably be. He's probably yeah, not even gonna let this air. This might get cut out. But. Yeah. 
you know, the, the gospel needs to be spoken, and the revolution, in this case, will be televised. And I, I, I'm praying for the downfall of Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a damn shame because I like Mahomes and I like Travis Kelsey. I even like Andy Smith. I mean, Andy Smith, Andy Reid. Yeah, no, I got you. So it's, it's uh, man, I enough is enough. Brock Purdy, just put the put the sphere right in her heart. Yeah, I, I, it, it needs to be done because uh, I, I, I've seen enough. I, this this football season has been borderline unbearable with that whole phenomenon. I saw a tweet that said the 49ers need to run out to famous by Kanye West. Wouldn't, wouldn't be mad about it. Wouldn't be mad about it. I think if the, if the chiefs win, I think Debo McCaffrey, yeah. anybody on the, on get the, that going in the locker room. Play no, that. they need to, during like the, the stage presentation of the trophy, Taylor Swift's going to be on stage with Travis. It's going to be this big IG moment for them. And someone from the 49ers and grabs might be like, I'm going to let y'all finish. Yeah. Yeah. But Brock Purdy had the greatest game of all time. Of all time. <laughs> and then he's that, just going to walk off. That would be my Super Bowl. Quite, yeah. Yeah. That would be that equivalent would be... to a win. That would be equivalent yeah. to a win. Without a doubt. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pushing for the Niners. I like – I think they're the better all overall – they're the more talented team. I think this is like the 2020 rematch, obviously, but where the Chiefs were the more talented team three years ago, I yeah. think it's the complete opposite this year. So right. I think the 49ers just need to play their brand of football, and I think they'll do just fine. So I'm excited. It's going to be a great game. But, yeah, I, I got a six-point win from uh, the good old 49ers. Yeah, give me a, a Super Bowl game manager uh, a win for my for my guy, Brock Purdy. And stop the damn hate. Yeah, I'm so sick of that. Yeah, it's like everyone no loves world. Taylor Swift, but everyone hates Brock Purdy. What are, what world do we live in? I'm make sick of this. Sense, make it make sense. All right, Nigel, any uh, final shots, maybe at Taylor Swift, maybe at Texas, anything you got before we get out of here? I just think the jig is up. Yeah. The jig is up. That's all I got to say. I, I got one shout-out here to Matt Nelson. We are winning at Texas. That's an inside joke, and that gets a lot of play in certain group chats. We are winning at Texas. All right. We're out of here. Go clones. Let's win a Super Bowl, and let's win let's at cook. Texas. Let's cook.